Hi everyone, and welcome to the Empowering Dietitians podcast, where each week I dive into a specific topic to help you feel more confident and connected to your work as a dietitian. I was recently talking to one of my clients and she suggested a podcast episode about when to push and when to ease up. This is a conversation we have in session often, and so now I'm going to bring it to you, as I would imagine many of you struggle with this dilemma as well. I've spoken quite a bit about burnout, recovering from it, and having compassion with yourself, but I haven't addressed this topic specifically. This idea of when do we push through resistance and when do we lean into rest? Of course, everyone's situation is unique, so blanket statements only get us so far. But today I'm going to do my best to explore this conundrum for you so that you can feel more confident in making decisions based on what you need moment to moment. All right, here we are. The age-old question of when to push yourself and when to give yourself compassion and grace to take it easy. Dietitians have a really hard time easing up on themselves. This is partly because the field tends to attract very ambitious, high-achieving, type-A perfectionist people, so it's in our nature to always stay busy. It also tends to attract anxious people, and keeping busy can be a coping mechanism for anxiety. If we don't slow down, we aren't left with our anxious thoughts or bodily sensations. Certainly, if you feel like your inability to rest is more related to that latter piece, an escape tool or coping mechanism for struggling to sit with your inner world, reaching out to a mental health professional can be very helpful. But pointing fingers at dispositions and personalities keeps the conversation at the individual level. The issue is we don't know how to rest. We have an emotionally hard time sitting with our own anxious thoughts. We, essentially, become the problem. So we turn to self-help books and coaches and therapy and podcasts to try to fix ourselves, to make us better and less stressy and more functional humans. That's cool. You know I love therapy, and I'm essentially a coach who helps RDs on an individual level, so I mean, it's also great. Self-growth and individual internal work is awesome. It has its place. But please don't forget the fact that this is not only a conversation of nature. Yes, you may have been born with some predispositions and personality traits that make it harder for you to slow down and more prone to piling your plate too high. But there's also nurture. This isn't a question of either or, it is a question of both and. And so yes, please, find a therapist who you connect with. Work with a coach or a consultant or a supervisor to overcome your limiting beliefs and gain greater self-awareness. Read inspiring self-growth books and listen to podcasts that get you fired up and motivated to care for yourself radically and wholeheartedly. You know I'm biased on that one. <laughs> and recognize that part of the reason you are the way you are is because our society, our culture, our system has made you that way. Western culture in general, but American culture in particular, is all about efficiency. Work more, optimize operations, multitask, be productive. Go, 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 right? We do not value rest in our culture at all. We like speed, efficiency, performance, achievement, and advancement. We value ambition, 
initiative, being a real go-getter, and seeming like you've got all your stuff together. At my former job, I didn't even get a lunch break. I mean, I could eat whenever I wanted, but I was expected to be in my office by my phone while I ate. After seven years of working there, I had three weeks of vacation. I had two personal days, two. I had seven sick days, but only two personal days. Do you know what that message sends? We get it. If you're sick, you have a valid excuse not to come in. But if you simply need a break because you're human, you better suck it up and show up. I'm not saying this to disparage my former job. They had the policies they had because they too work in this system of tight margins and narrow bottom lines and the very real consequences of working in a capitalist society. I'm not saying this to acknowledge, or, or rather I am saying this to acknowledge that this question is so much bigger than us as individuals or even us within the context of our profession or careers. Growing up, I would take mental health days from school. That's what I called them. Sometimes I simply needed a break. I wasn't sick, but I was stressed. And so my parents let me stay home and rest. The justification was that I otherwise did well academically and I didn't take advantage of it. So if I genuinely needed a day off here or there, they were cool with it. But wouldn't it be nice if we were all privileged enough to have that? To say, hey, I'm human and this is too much for me right now. I need a break. I need to rest. What if we valued rest as much as we did productivity? That's where this stems from, after all. We have all been taught that our worth is tied up in our successes. We are supposed to fill our resumes with concrete statistics of how productive and effective and quote-unquote successful we are. Success defined, of course, through the lens of metrics and cold hard numbers and data. We have to justify our worth when negotiating raises with more of the same. Work is rewarded and rest is not. And so when we blend that with our perfectionism, our gravitation to being people pleasers, and the internalization that we aren't inherently good enough as we are, suddenly the thought of taking time off is enough to trigger a near panic attack for many of us. I spoke a good amount last week in my conversation about systems within our profession about this topic. And I'm going to be weaving these reflections into a lot of my messages moving forward because we have to acknowledge context. We have to recognize what has influenced us, who taught us these messages. We have to understand that we are not only not alone, but these issues are more common than we ever could have imagined because our culture is a breeding ground for workaholic tendencies. Still doesn't change the fact that you're experiencing this dilemma, though. Because sometimes as adults, yes, we do have to push through when we don't feel like doing something. And sometimes we don't feel like doing something initially, but feel better after we've done it. I don't always feel like going into a counseling session with a client. Not because I don't love my clients or my work, but because I'm introverted and sometimes our energy levels are simply not aligned with the task at hand. But I do it and I feel energized afterward. I feel fulfilled. 
We don't always want to get off the couch and go for a walk, but maybe we feel better once we do. We may not always feel like tackling a daunting task, but when it's done and off our plates, we feel relieved and accomplished. So yes, there are times when we are going to have to do things we aren't in the mood to do. But not always. Sometimes we say, I just want to finish my to-do list and power through it and then I'll relax. Because if I try to relax now, I won't be able to relax because I'll be thinking about the work the whole time. Can any of you relate to that? I used to do this all the time. I'm still prone to falling into that thought trap. Except the to-do list never actually ends. And like I said, I do this. I think I'll be able to relax when dot, 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 insert fictitious fantasy time that never actually comes. Maybe I'll be able to relax when I finish a grad school paper. Only there's another one that I have to start after that. Or I'll be able to relax when the school quarter ends and I have a break, but then I start doing all the business and wedding planning and household tasks I was putting off while my courses were active. Or I'll be able to relax when the weekend comes. And the list goes on. But we reach these points, and yet we still aren't relaxing because something else comes up. Or we think, oh wait, but if I push a little bit more, then I'll get ahead. I won't just be caught up with my to-do list, I'll be ahead on my to-do list, and then I can really relax later. It is a vicious, never-ending cycle. Other times we convince ourselves that we quote-unquote have to push through, when we don't. I had a dietitian client who recently canceled one of her nutrition counseling client sessions because she got home from her day job and was simply put, burnt out. She did not have the capacity. And from one private practice RD to another, let me tell you, it is really easy to say to ourselves in that situation, oh, but I have to push through, it's my job. This client demonstrated that no, she didn't have to push through. She could have chosen to push through, but it would have been a choice. Instead, she chose rest. And the world kept spinning, and she was able to show up more fully for that client the following week. So be careful of how you speak to yourself. Are you labeling something as a have-to that really isn't? Who says you quote-unquote have to push through this? And what are the actual consequences of not pushing through in this specific scenario? These are all questions to ask yourself when you're caught in that conundrum of, should I push or should I rest? And don't forget, again, to reflect on where the story you're telling yourself is coming from. Do you genuinely believe that pushing through is in your best interest? Or is it a remnant of that never good enough, always have to be proving our worth messaging that we get from the world around us? This is where having a strong connection to yourself and your intuition is powerful. We have to disengage from all the shoulds and reconnect to what is actually right for us as individuals. Your gut feelings give us important information. If you're feeling a pull to rest, but that little nagging voice in your head chimes in with the shoulds, it's a pretty big sign that resting is the right call, but your guilty conscience is making it harder for you to listen to your body's basic needs. If this is reminding you of intuitive eating, you're right. Intuitive eating teaches us skills 
not simply about food and health. It also teaches us skills for listening to our bodies in a myriad of different situations. Having a rich inner narrative and clarity is important for having an intuitive life, for rejecting the external rules and expectations for what you quote-unquote should do, and being guided instead by what you know you need as an authentic individual. And because of that, there isn't one right answer. There isn't a formula where you enter in the details of your situation and it spits out an answer telling you to either rest or push. You're going to have to conduct some experiments, probably. If you decide to push through, how does that feel? What is the result? Would you choose to repeat that again? Or would you choose something else? If you decide to rest, same thing. How did it feel? What was the result? And are these results favorable or would you rather tweak something to try to get a different result next time? Most of the time, the answer is going to be rest. We resist it because it's foreign and hard and counter to all that we've been taught. The same way that we are taught in intuitive eating that if you think that you're hungry, even if you're not 100% sure, you probably need to eat. You have to teach your body that you trust it again and that it is safe to communicate with you. And that means you have to listen, even when it communicates in hushed tones or it's not a super strong message. The same is true for rest. We spend our whole existences suppressing the need for rest. We don't get enough sleep, we multitask, or we guilt ourselves through what little downtime we do allow, and we overschedule ourselves. When we feel tired, we drink caffeine. When we feel burnt out, we push through. Our bodies aren't going to continue to communicate with us if we aren't going to listen. That's not only true for hunger. And so our body learns that we aren't going to actually pay attention when it tries to tell us to slow down. At first, the signs might get stronger out of desperation. If I push myself too far, for example, I tend to get more emotionally uh, volatile, for lack of a better term. I cry for seemingly no reason. I'm short-tempered. My anxiety shoots up. But eventually, the body burns out and it stops reacting as much because what's the point? If it's desperate attempts to roadblock you don't actually work, to get you to rest, it waves the white flag and surrenders. So we have to let it know that we are going to listen. And that means trusting it without overanalyzing it. That means resting, even if we aren't sure if resting is the right call. Because once your body recognizes that rest is an option, that you really are listening, it will be able to communicate with you better. And you'll become better able to discern the signs of genuinely needing a break versus when you can safely push through a little bit because, hi, we still live in a capitalist, patriarchal, frustrating world. We also need to make sure that we are resting regularly. Like, we need to eat consistently to assure the body that food is plentiful. We need to rest regularly to assure that it is available when it needs it. But we don't want to wait until we hit the extreme of burnout 
or even not quite that far, but simply intense mental, emotional, or physical fatigue before we allow ourselves to rest. We don't want to see how starved we can get of anything before we give it to our bodies, whether that thing is food or water or sleep or rest. So there has to be proactive, preemptive, preventive components to this as well. And that's where the push through tendency can really backfire because we aren't carving out time to rest regularly. We postpone it as long as we can because we view it as an inconvenience, because we view it as being unproductive. Or when we do rest, we're multitasking. Or we rest by self-learning, like by reading an intuitive eating book. That might be enjoyable, but it isn't rest. For more on this, listen to episode 27, Rediscovering Motivation Post-Burnout which talks a lot about giving ourselves permission to be fully unproductive and to make sure that we are genuinely resting and not quote unquote resting. (laughs) Going back to intuitive eating, resting while multitasking is kind of like eating a diet dessert that's full of air and water and expecting it to fill us up and satisfy us. And resting while guilting ourselves about how much work we should be doing instead is kind of like eating some rich haagen but beating ourselves up for how bad it is the whole time. In other words, it doesn't work. It isn't satisfying. It doesn't fill us up. It doesn't equate to full permission to rest and recuperate. So, let's end this episode by recapping. Number one, your inability to rest and your tendency to keep yourself busy may be partially influenced by your own disposition and personality, and it is also heavily influenced by the system and culture in which we live that expects us to act like productivity machines. Number two, if you feel like you are using your full plate as a distraction from being alone with your own thoughts or self, please consider finding a mental health professional to unpack and explore this further. Number three, sometimes you are going to have to push through because, yes, we are adults and we do live in a very demanding society and until larger systemic change occurs, there are going to be some unavoidable times where you have to push through a responsibility even if you're not quite feeling it. That being said, be cautious of what you label as a have to as, again, our society teaches us to act like everything is an obligation when in reality there is often a choice. Number four, when in doubt, rest. This teaches your body that it is safe to communicate its needs with you. This includes resting preventively, as well as responding to even small and subtle cues that your body may need some time off. Number five, make sure that when you're resting, you are truly resting. And if you are already in the midst of burnout, this might take longer than you feel comfortable with. In an ideal world, if you're actually burnt out, you'd fly off to an island and totally disconnect from your day-to-day responsibilities and be able to recuperate as your full-time job. But of course, most of us aren't privileged enough to be able to do that. We have bills to pay. Our jobs wouldn't be there waiting for us when we got back. People, We have people that we need to care for, and so on. And that means that you have to weave rest into your truly unavoidable responsibilities. 
You'll want to unload your plate and ask for help and support as much as humanly possible. But know that when you're recovering from burnout this way, it's simply going to take longer. Be patient. And lastly, remember that this is not a one-size-fits-all approach. Everyone's situation is different, which is why having support is so important. We can opt out of the rat race of achievement, but it's going to be a lot like swimming upstream. It's going to take conscious effort, and it's going to feel uncomfortable. And there may be people in your life who don't fully understand. You yourself will have to overcome all of those cognitive distortions and maladaptive thoughts that resist the rest in the beginning. Have someone on your team. Have someone in your corner who can help you challenge those thoughts, remind you of the need to rest, and help you feel more confident in listening to your body. As always, my goal is to be here for as many of you as possible, whether that's with my free content, sending you reminders on the podcast or Instagram or via my monthly email newsletter, or by joining my Empowering Dietitians supervision programs, where you can take a deeper dive into the self-exploration and burnout prevention while getting support from other RDs like you. Either way, you don't have to do this alone. Find your support. Find your community. Keep reminding yourself that you deserve rest. More rest than you think you deserve. Your body will thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Empowering Dietitians podcast. If you enjoy these episodes, it would mean the world to me if you could share it with your dietitian friends and if you listen on Apple Music, leave a rating and review. This helps the podcast reach more dietitians so that we can really create a collective of dietitians who feel confident and connected both to their work and each other. You are not alone. And as always, if you're looking for that extra level of support, check out my Empowering Dietitians Supervision Services at www.empoweringdietitians.com supervision. Thank you.